most of us remember that day. It's etched in our minds, a permanent reminder of tragedy. We all watched helplessly as lives were lost, heroes were born, and a nation was forever changed. The loss was unimaginable, the sorrow unbearable. But through that pain, we witnessed the resolve of a nation. We saw chaos give birth to courage, fear transform into fortitude, and destruction give way to determination. In the midst of the brokenness, freedom stood immovable. Today, we remember those we lost. We honor the heroes who saved so many and grieve with the families who have suffered so much. It's been 20 years, but we still remember and we will never forget. Truly, we do remember September 11th, and we pray for all those who lost in those, that's one of those days that you never forget. You never forget where you were or what you were doing when that happened. So, yes, we do always remember we don't forget. But not just that day, but all the other tragedies that go on in life, we try not to forget. And we thank God for any time he has blessed us and he has helped us through those things. At this time, Sister Jocelyn Jimenez is going to... Uh, bless us with song, and we're going to be touched by her ministry. And after that, we will go right into the Word of God. So let's say amen for Sister Jocelyn. Emmanuel, 
Lift up your hands, receive it now. You're in the presence of the Lord. Mercy is falling, falling. Lift up your hands, receive it now. You're in the presence of the Lord. Good morning, Deliverance Temple. It is preaching time. I'm grateful for the uh, things that have transpired already. Thank you for that song that reminds us we are in the presence of the Lord. Me and my family are in the building, the only ones in the building. You guys are wherever you are, wherever you're logging in from. Some are in the parking lot listening and some are logging from their homes, their bedrooms, or however they're watching. But we all are in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I, I feel and I sense his presence this morning and I'm praying that God would give me preaching power this morning, that the presence of the Lord would not be lost, would be amplified in this preaching moment. At this time, we're going to bow our heads, close our eyes. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you, praise you, honor you, love you, and appreciate you, God. Thank you for your presence here today. God, I'm praying that you would give me preaching power, that you would cause me to be blessed. Help me to think in your thoughts, speak your words, hide me beneath the cross, fill me up in a way that I can deliver what you've given to the people. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen and amen. Come on with your Bibles in your hands or your devices in your hands or however you're connecting to the word of God. Would you just repeat after me? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. And in this moment when we're praying for those who are sick in their body. That's we are confessing our deliverance. We're confessing that we will be free. We commit to serve creatively, being able to preach to you and being the only one in the house and everyone out there using technology to serve creatively. But ultimately, at the end, this is what we're all about, communicating Christ's love compassionately. Amen. Now somebody say this. Say, Pastor Andre. Feed me this word. Come on, let's do it one more time because I couldn't hear you out there in TV land. Pastor Andre, preach this word. Amen. All right, I, I can feel it. I can feel it coming there. What we're going to do, we're going to piggyback off of last week. We're just going to bring last week's title up, which was Don't Lose Focus. I believe Lady Devin did a marvelous, masterful job on telling us about not losing focus. That was prophetic, not even knowing exactly all that we would face in the weeks ahead and in the days ahead after God gave her this 
message, but we can't lose focus. And her point was not just don't lose focus, but also be encouraged. So I'm here to say the same thing. We're not losing our focus. We shut down last week knowing that the apostle and elect lady was sick, not knowing that more people would show up with symptoms and others would go into the hospital and it would get worse than it was last week. But guess what? We have not lost our focus and we still are encouraged. Thank you, Lady Devin, for preaching a powerful message. Maybe I'm not going to be able to preach it as good as you did, but let me say it again. Don't lose focus, but be encouraged. Let me get a little, little closer to you. Don't lose focus, but be encouraged. Somebody say, I'm encouraged. I'm, in, I'm encouraged. I'm still encouraged. Sick in my body, but I'm encouraged. Tired in my body, but I'm encouraged. Why? Because I haven't lost my focus. Amen. And so she did it, did it well, and I'm going to piggyback off of that, but Unfortunately, I won't be as short and brief as she was. Maybe I, I, I've got a little more preaching experience, so I got a little bit more to say. So if you're expecting a little 20-minute message like you got last week, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm just not as good as her. Not that good yet. But she talked about don't lose focus. But I want to talk about this, and this will be the title for today. And it's simply this, don't lose your fight. Don't lose focus and be encouraged, but don't lose your fight. I, I still want you to have the will to fight because you are in the presence of the Lord. But just because you're in the presence of the Lord and you are encouraged doesn't mean the battle will not rage in your life. So I don't want you to lose focus, but I don't want you to lose your fight. I don't want you to lose your will to fight. I want you to persevere. I want you to push ahead. I want you to wage war. I, I don't want you to shrink back. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. So let's say it again. Don't lose your fight. Let me give you. Three definitions of fight, many definitions we can use, but the definitions that are going to fit this particular sermon are this. Number one, take part in a violent struggle. Number two, move forward with difficulty, especially by overcoming obstacles. Number three, put up a spirited show of resistance to or defend oneself against an attack. Let's give you some fight synonyms. Fight synonyms. Battle. Wage war. Struggle. Wrestle. Strive. Contend. Clash. Confront. Challenge. Mount and attack. Engage in conflict. Take a stand against. I'm going to read those. Again, battle, wage war, struggle, wrestle, strive, contend, clash, confront, challenge, mount an attack, engage in conflict. And here's what I want to focus on. Take a stand against. We, we, we are in a fight, Deliverance Temple. We've talked about how the Lord told me that a season of miracles would come, specifically financial miracles would come to the place. But 
Not only did God say it and I announce it, we've seen some of it happen, but guess who else heard it? The devil heard it. And so here is the devil throwing things at us, but I want us to take a stand against the devil I, with his ugly self, with his nasty self, with his slew-footed self. We're going to take a stand against him. We're going to wage war with him. We're going to do battle with him. We're going to be in conflict with him. I, I, we, we've come too far to get scared now and back up now. What God has for me, it is for me. If I got to fight for it, if I got to strive for it, if I got to wrestle for it, it doesn't make a difference. I'm going to get what belongs to me. Healing belongs to me. Wealth belongs to me. Joy belongs to me. Peace belongs to me. Maybe I got to fight for it and maybe I got to take a stand against the enemy for it, but I'm going to get what belongs to me. Deliverance Temple, you going to get what belongs to you. TV Land, you going to get what belongs to you. YouTube and Facebook, you going to get what belongs to you, but you may have to take a stand against. Take a stand against. Let's go to my first point, which is going to be the letter A. The fight is not meant to be easy. Let me come over here. The fight is not meant to be easy. Nobody ever said it would be easy and it wasn't designed to be easy, but I still need you to take a stand again. All right, let's go to Matthew 11, 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he, ha he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I'm going to pause and just speak on that for a moment. I'm going to go to my left. So the scripture is telling us about John the Baptist. It's telling us how John the Baptist function, and nobody was uh, greater than he in natural realm. But in the spiritual realm, it says that we all are greater than John. He was the least. We're talking about John the Baptist, the one who was the forerunner for Christ. So when it comes to spiritual things, we are greater than John the Baptist. Naturally, no human was greater than John the Baptist outside of Jesus himself. But the point I'm making is in John's humanness and in his fight to be the forerunner for Christ, he ended up getting his head cut off in an unfair way. Now, here we are. We are greater than him in spiritual terms, but we may have to fight some fights where it feel like we're getting our head cut off. It, it may not feel easy. It may feel unfair, but that's par for the course because of the reward we get in heaven. Don't back up. Don't be afraid. Do not be scared. Let me go back to the scripture. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. And the violent take it by force. Let me come over here to my right. Um, the violent take it how? By force. In other words, the violent meet violence with violence. Spiritually speaking. In other words, um, devil 
if you're not bothering me, I really ain't got time to bother you. I'm a spiritual being doing spiritual things. I'm working on spiritual stuff. But if you got enough gumption and enough gall to get up in my face and to attack me, don't you think I'm just going to sit there and take it lying down? No, I'm going to fight back because the violent take it by force. Let me give you a sub point underneath this. That would be point number one. Fighters meet demonic violence with spiritual violence, spiritual resistance, and spiritual force. I'm going to say that again. We meet the demonic violence with spiritual violence, spiritual resistance, and spiritual force. Spiritual resistance, spiritual violence, and spiritual force. In other words, you want to come to me, I got something for you, devil. I'm not backing down. And here's the problem, saints. Many times we get hit with so much, the thing we want to do is sit down and rest and sulk and have a pity party. But this ain't the season to have a pity party. This is the season to focus. Be encouraged and don't lose your fight. No, -uh, don't, don't lose your will to fight and don't lose the fight. Get in the fight. Get in the ring and battle. No, -uh, do some battle. Now, now a couple just yesterday, Evander Holyfield with uh, several years old, he's uh, he's close to 60. He got himself back in the ring and he didn't look very good because he's too old to be fighting. But in the spiritual world, we don't get old. We don't get too tired to fight. I can be 80 and still fight. Caleb said, I'm 80, but I still want this mountain. I, I don't know who I'm talking to out there, but I want you to still go after the mountain. Go after the blessing. Go after the the miracle. Don't you be afraid to fight. Meet the demonic violence with violence and more violence and take it by force. Does he have your blessing? Does he have your healing? Does he have your children? What does he have? Does he have your spouse? Does he have your money? Does he have your job? Take it by force. We ain't playing with the devil because the devil ain't playing with us. He don't like us and we don't like him. We're taking some things by force. All right, that's going to bring me to uh, point B. The fight is filled with pressure-packed decisions. Let's look at Joel 3, 14. Scripture says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. So. The point that I want to make is simply this, is that when we look at life, life is filled with one song said swift transitions. And with the transitions, it leaves us with decisions to make. And because the day of the Lord is approaching, that means that the world is getting darker. And that means we have decisions we've got to make. In order to stay in the light and to stay spiritually minded and to stay on the battlefield, we got a lot of decisions and they are pressure packed decisions. Pressure is coming on us. And as they say, pressure will bust pipes. And sometimes the pressure is burdensome and heavy. And sometimes the decision we want to make is to go backwards, to slide back or like we call it backslide to to slip back into our old ways doing our own things and our old things but we can't do that we got to stay and fight because guess what multitudes are making decisions 
And not everybody's making spiritual decisions. There are people right now making decisions and somebody did not decide to log in to learn from God. Somebody don't care about a Sunday morning or an online service. They're trying to make decisions to make ends and meet. And they don't know that God is who they need to be deciding on. But we've already made our decision. And our decision is God. Our decisions, I'm going all the way with the Lord. We've already made our decision. So we came back up off the decision. What do we do? We fight for the decision we made. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No, no turning back. So if the devil wants to push me back, I'm fighting because I don't want to turn back. I don't want to go back to where I came from. I, I don't want to walk back in my old ways. I don't want to act and think like I used to act. No, I'm fighting so I can move forward. I'm fighting so I can communicate Christ's love compassionately. I'm fighting so I can connect with my creator continually. I'm fighting so I can keep confessing my deliverance consistently. I'm fighting so I can commit to serve creatively. I'm not going back. I got a lot of pressure-packed decisions, but one decision I won't make, I won't leave God. Because God won't leave me. Let's look at what the scripture says. Verse 15. The sun and the moon shall be darkened. And the stars shall withdraw their shining. That's probably what's going on. Darkness is coming across the land. But look at what verse 16 says. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion. And utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall sake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. The reason why I can fight is because I have a strong, strong, strong God who is my strength. He's my strength and he is my hope and my hope is in him. And so I made the decision to stay with him. And if I got to fight, I'm going to fight because he is my strength. Here is the behind the scenes information. Yes, the devil wants to fight me, but I, he doesn't know I don't have to fight in my own strength. I got some strength that I can fight in that is beyond me. That's greater than me. It's supernatural strength. I fight him back, but I don't fight him with my strength. I fight him with the strength of the Lord because he is my hope. I believe in him. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from which come my help. My help comes from the Lord. He will not suffer his children to, uh, to fall. He that keepeth Israel, he neither slumbers nor does he sleep. Guess what I'm going to do? Sometimes the way I fight is I go to sleep. Because I know somebody who doesn't slumber, nor does he sleep. Why should I stay up all night and when I got to go to bed, but God don't have to go to bed? He is my strength, and he stands for me, and he fights for me, and he's there for me. So guess what? I'm getting in the fight, but I'm not fighting in my own strength. I'm fighting in the strength of the Lord. Let's go to point C. And this is where we're going to park really and preach the rest of the sermon from this point. The rest of the subpoints will come from here. So point C is this. The fight is over our faith. I'm going to make it personal for a second. The fight is over my faith. I'm going to make it for you. The fight is over your faith. Somebody type that in the comments. The fight is about my faith. You some time to type that. Fight 
is over my faith. That's what it's all about. He's trying to get you to lose faith. Because when you lose faith, you've lost focus. When you've lost your faith and your faith and your focus, you're going to fail. He's trying to get you to fail. But how does he do that? Coming after your faith. He can't have my faith. No, no, no. He can't have my faith. No, 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 no. He can't have my faith. No, 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 no. He can't have my faith. No, 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 no. He can't have my faith. No, he can't. No, he can't. No, he can't. No, he can't. Let's look at Jude 1 and 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you. This is Jude, Jude 1, 3. Jude is talking that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Basically saying you're going to have to fight for this faith that was once given. You're going to have to fight for this faith that was once given to you. You're going to have to earnestly fight for it. So that brings me to my first sub-point, point number one, under C. The enemy's attacks are designed to weaken our faith. Let's look further what Jude says in verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Lasciviousness is a big, bold word, but it just means you don't have any restraints. It means you start sliding back and you slide all the way back. You ever knew somebody who was in church, in God, but once they backslid, they, I mean, they backslid. They went all the way back. And so you, you, you have to be very careful about that because this scripture says it was some ungodly folk that snuck in. And Jude is talking about actually in the church, but I'm talking about in our lives. Sometimes ungodly people will come in our lives and the goal, sometimes ungodly relationships. Yeah, I know he fine and I know she cute, but she pulling you and he pulling you away from God. You don't even think about God the way you used to. It, they, they crept in unawares. But the goal of Satan was to weaken your faith. Because if I weaken your faith, you lose your focus. You lose your focus, you're going to fail. So, so the whole goal was to make you fall back. So we have to be uh, careful of that. We have to be cognizant of that. What is causing me to slip backwards? What, what's causing me to, uh, to shift? In my faith. What, what is weakening my faith? What, what is making me slip backwards? We, we have to focus on those things because the fight is really over our faith. Let's go to sub point number two. The enemy wants us to lose our will to fight and lose our integrity. I'm going to have them leave that up there just for a second. I, I'm going to be silent for a second and just let that sink in. I'm going to read it again. The enemy wants us to lose our will to fight and lose our integrity. The enemy wants us to lose our will to fight and lose our integrity. Because if, if we're no longer fighting, then our integrity will go. All right, so we'll start doing things that we never would have done. 
All right, but let's look at verse 24. This is why and how we are going to push forward. Even though we're tempted to go back, tempted to not just drink, start getting drunk, start getting addicted again, tempted to do that. Because sometimes the fight is hard. But this is why we don't do that because because of verse 24 down toward the end of that chapter. Jude only has one chapter. But toward the end of that chapter, this is what it says. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I want to read that again. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Here's the thing. Even when it feels like it's time to backslide and you start getting tempted to go back, you need to know this. You serve a God who can keep you from falling. There's times I wanted to backslide and couldn't. I had it in my mind I was going to act up and couldn't because this joy I have, the, the world didn't give it to me. So since the world didn't give it, the world couldn't take it away. And so I thought I was going to go to the club and forget about church. But I found myself laying out my church clothes on Saturday night. I found myself in church on Sunday morning, lifting my hands and praising the Lord. Because God was able to keep me from falling. But the scripture says something else that I like. It also says to present you faultless. So what this means is not, number one, he can keep you from falling. But number two, sometimes we just stubborn. Sometimes we're just hard-headed and we fall anyhow. We backslide anyhow. We quit fighting and lay over anyhow. We sex and drug anyhow. Cuss and fuss anyhow. We, we just get in a bad state. And the scripture says that he also presents us faultless. In other words, he'll wash us up, clean us up, turn us around, accept us back, and put us back in front as if we never made a mistake. Why would I turn back on a God like this? Why would I stop fighting for a God like this? Not only can he keep me from falling, but he also has presented me faultless. Because sometimes I lost the fight. I put down the weapon. I rolled over. I rolled over for the addiction. I laid down for the addiction. I laid in my sin. But God stood me back up and presented me faultless. And when the devil said I was a sinner... God said, leave him alone. He's righteous. He's righteous because of me. He's righteous because of my blood. He's righteous because of my deliverance. Guess what? I'm going to fight for this God because God has made me faultless when he should have found fault with me. Should have found fault with me, but he chose not to. Let's, let's look at verse 25. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Basically, Jude ended the chapter with a praise break <laughs> to, to the only wise God. See, he was so wise, not only could he keep me from falling, he could present me faultless as well. So he's a wise God. He, he's a powerful God. He, he's a majestic God. He's got dominion. 
Uh, Jude was just praising God for who he is. Because guess what? I'm going to get in the fight because I know that the fight that I fight is not with my own strength. It's with the strength of the majestic Savior. The the, the dominating Savior. The, the kingdom means everything the king has dominion over. He's got dominion over my addiction. He's got dominion over my failures. He got dominion over me backsliding. He got dominion over me laying down and rolling over. So guess what? I'm going praise this God and guess what when I praise this God something clicks in my mind this God that I'm praising not only does he just dwell in heaven but he dwells inside of me so if majesty is in heaven that means majesty is in me so I'm standing up with my majestic self and I'm gonna fight I'm gonna fight I'm gonna fight I'm going to fight for my faith. I, I'm not losing my faith. There was a song out said, losing my religion. You can lose your religion, but I'm not losing my faith. Yes, I lost religion. I lost rules, but I haven't lost my faith. I still believe. But your daddy's in the hospital. I still believe. But sister Chris is in the hospital. I still believe. But she had to church the church down. I still believe. I'm still fighting. I'm fighting the fight of faith. Because I know at the end of the day, it's about my faith. And devil, you can't have my faith. Because I still believe. Mark eleven twenty two 22 says, have faith in God. Have faith in in God. I'm not asking you to have faith in the government. I'm not asking you to have faith in your job. I'm not asking you to have faith in your spouse. I'm not asking you to have faith in your denomination, but have faith in God. One translation of that is have the God kind of faith. What's the God kind of faith? The God kind of faith is when he saw darkness, he said, let there be light. He saw the problem, but he didn't speak the problem. He spoke the solution. And the solution is light be, light come, light transfer. I know it's dark, but I'm not talking about the darkness. I'm speaking the solution. So my faith is I speak the solution even when I'm looking at the darkness. That's why the devil wants to come after your faith. Because your faith has solutions in it. Solutions in your faith. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. All right, let's go to sub point number three. Under the fight is over our faith. We keep fighting because we know the battle is already won. Here's something powerful to understand is that we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. All we have to do is to maintain the victory. I'll give, give you an example that you, you can kind of understand. In basketball or in football, normally you have four quarters. And if the team has been winning for the first several quarters, they let the starters rest. And then they put in the backups. The backups are not as good as the starters. And all the backups have to do is maintain what the starters have already done. If you've seen some games, sometimes the backups come and they don't have any confidence and they start losing the lead. And then they got to bring the starters back in to save the day. But if you're a good backup, all you got to do is maintain what was already won for you. Guess what? We got the best starter ever. Name was Jesus Christ. 
We had the best three-man team. It was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And for three quarters, they done done all the work. And here we come in the fourth quarter, and all we got to do is maintain the victory. Keep fighting because the battle is already won. But sometimes we start looking at what the enemy is doing, and we start getting scared and getting worried and getting concerned. Guess what? The starters have already secured the victory for us. All we got to do is maintain. Don't you quit. Don't lose your fight. Because if you lose your fight and you lose your will to fight, we're going to lose the game, and the game's already won. It doesn't make sense to lose something that's already won. It's already won. All we got to do is maintain and walk it out. My daddy's already healed. We just got to walk it out. Chris is already healed. We just got to walk it out. The other people who are dealing with the Simpsons are already healed. We just got to walk it out. We got to believe it, walk it out, and we got to maintain, keep fighting because the battle is already won. All right, let's give us some verses for this. Second Timothy 4, 6 says this, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. This is Paul, the apostle, he was talking, he was writing at the end of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 4. He already has an execution date. By the time we get to 2 Timothy, he knows he's going to be executed, but he has no qualms. He has no issues because he knows he's done everything God told him to do, and he's ready. He's like, my departure's at hand. And, and, and at his departing days, he was still pouring into somebody, pouring into Timothy to cause Timothy to carry on and advance on. So Paul was not scared or worried at all. He even said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He said, I don't even know what I want to do. I don't know if I want to stay or want to go. Because if I go to be absent with the body, is present with the Lord. But if I stay, I'll be a benefit to you. He was so secure because he knew the battle was already won. But look at what he said in this next verse. Verse 6, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have done what? I have kept the faith. This is what Paul was letting us know. This is what Paul was letting us know. Paul was letting us know and making us aware of the fact that what I call a good fight is the fact that I've kept the faith. It's a good fight. A good fight is a fight that you win. And how do we win? We win because we keep the faith. Because remember what the whole point is, point C is, the fight is over our faith. And Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. The reason why I can go ahead and go on to heaven, because I finished my course. And guess what has happened all the way through? I've kept the faith. I've done what? I've kept the faith. What I want you to do, I want you to keep the faith. So when you die, and it ain't time for some of y'all to die yet, you got more stuff to do. It ain't apostle's time to die yet, he got more stuff to do. It ain't, it ain't your time to die yet, you got more stuff to do. But in your more stuff to do, the only way you can say you finished your course and had a good fight is if you've kept the faith. And so guess what? If you got to fight for the faith, fight for it. I used to play something called King of the Hill where you would climb up to the top of the hill and everybody try to push you off. And whoever pushed you off, they become the king of the hill. The only way for you to remain king of the hill, you had to hold your position. You had to hold your ground. In other words, you got to keep your faith. 
Don't, don't let the devil buffalo you. Don't let him push you over. Don't you start crying now. Don't you start snotting now. Don't you stick your head in the sand now. Keep the faith. Finish your course so you can say, I fought a good fight. And the best fight is a fight that you win. Let's look at subpoint number four. Ultimately, the enemy wants us to lose our reward. Let's stay in 2 Timothy. Let's look at verse 8, 2 Timothy 4, 8. Henceforth, this is what Paul is continuing. He said, I, I've kept the faith. Henceforth, they are laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. This is what Paul is saying. This is what Paul is getting at. This is his focus. This is what he's trying to let you know is at the end of all this, we get a reward. And we're not talking about the blessings we get here. We're not talking about the blessings that we have in this earthen realm. No, no, no. We're talking about we get blessing, blessing. We, we get something on the other side here. He calls it a crown of righteousness. We, we gonna walk around in heaven with, with rewards and with crowns and with diadems and with jewels for what we've done on the earth. And he said, the reason why I kept my faith, cause there's something laid up for me on the other side. I'm grateful for mansions and cars and vacations and eating what you want when you want, but nothing on this side can compare to what we'll get on that side. I'm not going to lose my faith because I got some rewards over there. I, I actually, not only that, I ha do I have rewards over there, I got babies over there. You know the miscarriages we had? Do you know those babies didn't just disappear? No, they went over to heaven. They're waiting on me. I got some stuff to do over there in heaven. So right now, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to keep my faith because I got some rewards and so do you. Yes, you do. Let, let, let me get a little closer. Yes, you do. You got some rewards waiting on you. I know some of y'all. I know some of your labor. I know some of your work. And God's not just going to bless you here. You got some rewards over there. And what Paul said, everybody who wants to see his appearing, everybody who's looking for his return, they're going to have some rewards. So that's why here in the natural realm, we hold on to our faith. And if we got to fight, let us fight. If I got to swing, let me swing. If I got to take a few shots, that's okay because I'm throwing a few shots too. I'm doing some counter punches. Hey, you punch me, I'm punching back. But I'm hitting harder than you hitting, devil. I'm hitting harder than you hitting, de demon. Because guess what? You lost your reward when you got kicked out of heaven, but I still got some reward, so you're not going to trick me out of my blessing. No, you're not, devil. No, you're not with your ugly self. No, you're not. You're not tricking me out of my blessings. That brings me to point number five. Sub point number five, under the heading C, which is the fight is over our faith. Here's sub point number five. The enemy forgets that our faith increases when we fight. Let me say that again. The enemy forgets that our faith increases when we fight. I'm, I'm going to say, say that again, but I'm going to say it just a little bit different. The enemy forgets, and we forget that our faith increases when we fight. I'm going to go ahead and talk about that for a little, and this is where we're closing from. We'll, we'll, we'll do another scripture. This is where we're closing from. So 
Faith is interesting in how it operates because the more you use it, the more it actually grows. Faith is like a muscle that the way muscles work is you have to stress them. You actually have to break them open for them to, to grow. When, when, when you're pumping iron, the pain that you feel is really what happens is as you're lifting those weights, you're creating tiny tears in the muscle. But what happens is the body begins to heal itself. And what it does, it will heal the muscle from those tears, but then it heals the muscle greater than it was before it got torn. So then the muscle builds up greater resistance. So when you start, maybe all you could pick up was a 15-pound dumbbell. And you work those and max them out. Then you're sore. And then the next thing you know, you notice that the 15-pound dumbbell doesn't create the amount of resistance that you need to feel like you got a good workout. Because what the body does is it heals itself and it makes itself stronger. Faith is a muscle. And the more you use your faith, and some people say it this way, the more you exercise your faith, the more faith grows. So when you're in the fight of faith, and when you have to fight for faith, and when you have to contend for the faith, what the devil forgets that he's making you better every time he makes you fight. Every time he attacks you, and every time he jumps in your face, and every time he puts you in a situation, every time he throws the kitchen sink at you, and every time hell and high water comes, every time you come out, you come out stronger than what you went in. And so your faith increases the more you use it. But sometimes we won't use our faith until we're forced to. Because th 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 there's no need. When, when, when I got money in the bank and food on the table and clothes on my back and a roof over my head, I'm doing okay. So it takes some news coming from somewhere that jolts you back to reality that I need to pray and I need to believe and I need to confess the word. Sometimes we got words that we've read and that we've heard, but we don't need them until we need them. When we're lying up in ICU, there we got to find those scriptures that we had and we got to bring them back to our remembrance. So sometimes the fight forces us into faith, but faith, once it's exercised, it grows and it gets stronger. The disciples didn't understand that, this at all. So let, let me show you. Let's look at Luke 17 and 5. Luke 17 and 5 says this. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. The, the apostles were watching Jesus. The apostles were watching Jesus and looking at Jesus and looking at how he healed people and how he did things. And so they thought there was a shortcut. So they said privately to Jesus, increase our faith. We can't do what you're doing. We don't have the faith to do all the stuff you're doing. So give us more faith. And many times we think that's it. Oh, I wish I had the faith of Apostle. And I wish I had the faith of Mother Mitchell. I wish I had the faith of Lady Devin. I wish I had the faith of Pastor. No, faith doesn't drop out of the sky. Faith is grown. Faith is a seed. Let, let, let's look at how Jesus responds. Jesus totally ignored their question and their ask and Tells them something different. It looks like it's off, but it's right online. Let's 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 look at this. Luke seventeen six, 
And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. The disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. Go back to that, that scripture for just a second. The apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. And then verse six, we're going we're gonna to pause right here on verse six for a minute. Pause here on verse six just for, for, for a minute. I, I, I want to bring us into something that he was saying that, that's powerful. So they said, increase our faith. He turns around and starts talking about if you have faith like a mustard seed. What, 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 are, you, what are you talking about? And then he, then he points at a sycamine tree. I don't know what a sycamine tree is, but let me ask you this. Are you sick of yours? Yeah, I am. I'm sick of mine. You, you sick of your depression? Well, I'm sick of mine. You sick of your anxiety? I'm sick of mine. And if you have faith like a seed, everything you sick of, listen, we can handle it. He said this, this sycamine tree can be plucked up by the root and cast into the sea. They asked him to give them faith. He starts talking about if you had faith like a seed, then this would happen. And this is what was powerful. He talked to them about the tiniest seed of all, which was the mustard seed. But the way the mustard seed works, once you plant it, it becomes one of the tallest trees of all. Faith is the same way. You don't need your faith increased. You need to sow the faith that you have. In other words, you need to treat your faith as a seed. You need to use it. When you use it, it will grow. Remember, field of tree dreams, if you build it, they will come. Here, I tell you the same thing about faith. If you use it, it will grow. No, your faith doesn't need to increase. All you got to do is use it. But guess what? You don't always just have to use your faith because the devil is so dumb, he'll hit you with stuff that forces you to use your faith. And when you use your faith, your faith grows. So when he attacks you, he forces you into growing your faith. That's why the God lets the devil attack you sometimes because all it does, it takes you to a higher level. Remember him looking at Satan saying, hey, have you considered my servant Job? All he was doing was taking Job to another level. Job was going to have to use his faith and Job ended up getting double for all his trouble. You got some trouble in your life, but some of y'all getting ready to get double and triple for your trouble because all you've been through has forced you to use your faith. But your faith is like a mustard seed. Once you sow it, it grows. Not only is faith like that, the whole kingdom is like that. We're going to read three more verses. and This is how we're going to close. Let's look at Mark 4 and 30. And he said, where unto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare? The kingdom of God is all about faith. And so they were asking, how should we, uh, no, actually Jesus was making a statement. How should we look at faith itself or the kingdom itself, which the kingdom of God is all about faith? How, how should we, we look at it? How should we view it? He said, this is how we should view it. And then he goes to Mark 4 and 31. We're going to bring that up. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. Verse 32. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. It becomes the greatest tree from the smallest seed. Delivers temple. Don't lose your focus, but don't lose your fight. 
Because at the end of the day, the fight is over your faith. And your faith, even though it may seem small, it produces huge results. Guess what, DT? We're growing through this. This is just a little, little small hit. Thank you, devil, for reminding us how good we are. The fact that you would that you would go all the way out of your way to try to mess with us. You know, we came through the first COVID season, didn't have any issues. Now with this variant, here we are getting hit, thinking COVID is behind us. And now we are, our apostle is sick. And now we are, our elect lady is sick. And now we are shutting down. But guess what? Thank you. Because all it's doing is making us use our faith. We, we, we hadn't done our 24-hour prayer in a while. Now we're doing that again. See, all you do is make us use our little faith. And guess what to do? It's going to produce a great harvest. Deliverance temple, we're going to grow higher. We're going to grow stronger. We're going to grow better. I, I don't know who I'm talking to and who I'm preaching to, but you're about to get better because of this. You, you, you're about to get stronger because of this. You're about to bounce back more because of this. Because guess what? You're not going to lose your will to fight. You're going to stay in there and you're going to fight in Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. And we praise you. We're not going to lose our focus. We're going to be encouraged. And with our encouragement, we are going to F-I-G-H-T. We're going to fight. We're not just going to fight for these immediate things that we're dealing with. But we're going to fight for the future and beyond. We got stuff that needs to be done. We got buildings that need to be built. We need to be on television more than we are. We, we need to grow. We need more money. But we're fighting for all of it. And we're using our faith to fight. Because at the end of the day, the fight is over our faith. And God, we thank you for delivering us. We thank you for bringing us out. We thank you for bringing us over, God. We thank you for touching us from the top to the bottom, from our head to the soles of our feet, in every way in which around you are blessing us. And we thank you for it. Now, God, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus and the pardon of their sins, I pray that with their faith, they will believe right now and say, Father God, Save me of my sins. Come into my heart. Come into my life and help me be on your side. And with your strength, I'll fight the fight of faith till I die. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Goodbye.